0: Come on, get it on, living like a lover with a red phone, looking like a trump, like a video plan, demolition woman, can I be your man, your man? <laughs> Rock and doggle and I flash a little light, tell that me don't baby for all night, Sometime, anytime, sugar me, sweet, little me say innocent.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's wonderful, as always, to have you with me. Tonight, I'm just going to come out and say it. This I know for a fact that listeners of there are listeners of my show that will see the album that this is and are not going to listen will not listen we'll say pass and that's it we'll pass and whatever that's fine you know you can't uh, i i can't control what people are going to do but i'm excited to have them on. i was actually a guest on their podcast uh, a while ago and now they're uh, with me so i'd like to welcome francis and jeff of the Sonic Temple podcast, welcome on the show, Francis and Jeff.
2: Ah, thank you so much for having us, man.
3: Thanks, Rob. Ah. Good to be here. Hey, listen, w- can we just say though? Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. You are correct, but <laughs> without a doubt, this is it. Has to be the highest selling album that has ever been talked about on this podcast. Oh yeah, for sure, by far, right? So uh, it, yeah, one it would has have to, be. to. So one would have to assume you're. You will also see some sort of like. Uh, equal bump in your in 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 your streams coming from this. So so you're you're about to you're about to right. experience the 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 hysteria slash Sonic Temple bump. So we're happy to bring that. Yeah, we'll bring you
2: like an extra <laughs> like ten. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I don't know. That'll be interesting because, yeah, they basically, uh, its uh, Def Leppard's best-selling album came out in August 1987, over 20 million copies worldwide. <laughs> so someone obviously bought this album. And, uh, you know, all you snobs that hate uh, Def Leppard, obviously. Uh, they bought some it people too. Like
2: yeah, just some people might have bought it like three or four times also
1: right and also i'm gonna say no matter i don't care who you are i don't care how much you think you don't care you don't know deb leopard you're gonna know a lot of these songs there's just no way you're not going to unless you were just in a hole for the whole you know late 80s you know 90s (laughs) unless you were you know living somewhere else in a ditch where they didn't have radio at all no you know you've heard a lot of these
3: (laughs) yeah and hopefully this will give uh, I mean, if you're willing to stick on, on the ride with us, it'll give you a, an appreciation for them. Because listening back to them, um, I mean, this is a masterpiece. Like, it's it, it's funny because, like, we're doing this together and Francis picked this record. And it would not have been necessarily the album that I picked because I... Because I know your podcast, Rob, and like you have really cool people talking about really cool albums all the time. And so my competitive nature is like, I want to be cool too. I'm going to pick a Roxy right, Music right. record or I'm going to pick, right. you know, uh, a T Rex record or something. Francis, I love him so much because he doesn't give a shit about any of that and he's like i want to talk about my favorite record damn right (laughs) yeah no that's great which is awesome and also if i'm being honest like it's one of my favorite records too it's if you know if you judge these things by the number of hours that you spend listening to a record this is in my top five for sure in my life like i've listened to this record as much as i've listened to any other uh major record so we're excited to get yeah. in, into this.
1: Yeah, so. no, you guys followed the rule. You guys did what you're supposed to do in the show. <laughs> you picked the record that got you high and fuck all the haters. All right, but I want to hear. So you, I'm assuming, are you guys like around the the same age? Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Around the same age, and you're about 15. I'm guessing around 10 or 15 years younger than me. So, all right. So give me first. First of all, I'm assuming you guys were Def Leppard fans earlier than this album, right? Uh, for
2: me, no. This is the one that got opened Pandora's really? box and got me into music in general. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: So how old? So 1987, how old? Uh, uh, I probably got you
2: know? into this one during the whole Pour Some Sugar On Me like fan craze, which would have been, what, eighty, summer of 88 around there?
1: Yeah. Okay, okay. Because
2: yeah. this album was a slow burn, and that's when it popped off. Well, slow burn for some. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> um. But no, that's, like, I mean, you had, like, some Beastie Boys, like, songs before then when I was, like, but I was still only like probably eight or nine.
1: Yeah, same.
2: Not 88, I was probably like nine years old about that point. Uh, well, so, okay. <laughs> but that, this, like, I remember, like, all right, I'm pony up the money. I'm buying, like, that's the first album I bought with my
3: own money. Oh, nice. It's, uh, a, se- it's a second that I bought with my own money. Really? So, yeah, so yeah. I'm in, oh, okay. I, I, we're exactly the same. We both came in right when MTV told us to.
2: Right.
1: You know. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah.
2: Like vivid memories of walking into, like, the one record store I think it was on Oakland Park near 95. I don't know. It had, to be like, I. Vaguely remember like gray carpeting and probably some neon, very like Nakatomi oh, James Plaza James. looking place. I don't know. It definitely wasn't Peaches because it didn't have the wood crate feeling to it. Right,
1: but. right, right, right. It wasn't but um, all right. So so that's uh, that's cool. That's interesting. I'm assuming, but I guess afterwards you guys probably dove uh, backwards and got high and dry and hundred percent pyromania. Yeah,
3: after. yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Like I think I went this one, then on through the night, then pyromania. <laughs>
3: You know what? I think I did the same thing, and and there's a good reason why. Because I, uh, "On Through the Night" was the cheapest one. Yeah. So like, <laughs> right, yeah. if yeah. you're so you get in and you're you're nine years old or ten years old, and you like you got hysteria, and then it's like, oh, I got to get all the records, and you go to the, the Camelot or the record bar, and it's like, well, these are all nine ninety nine, but this one's seven ninety nine. I'm going to get that one. And so <laughs> okay. yeah, so I went in with "On Through the Night" too.
0: But that's
1: see, that surprised me. I guess you, you guys are younger than I even thought. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like
3: really young. Forty four. But, you, you, yeah. but not very not really young, but that's yeah. pretty young. All yeah. right. All
1: right. But um <laughs> all right, but that but that's cool. But you guys were in on like just you were like kids basically you heard this and you heard it like without all the mm-hmm. baggage, bullshit baggage exactly. that people had later on.
3: <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean that's a thing, right? And at that point, this record as we will discuss sounds unlike anything else that ever yes. came before it and so yes. if you're just watching MTV or just listening to the radio in 1988 87 88 like there is no way that this does not become one of your favorite bands like it it is just bigger and better than anything else by you know, everything else sounds in in either one dimension or two dimensions, and this sounded in total three D. Like it's yeah. so much more expansive and bigger and shinier and right uh, and and
1: just bombastic yeah i would say know? it's
2: got like a cinematic vibe to yeah, it totally like 100 like, yeah like a big blockbuster cinematic vibe
1: mm-hmm. yeah and that was totally by uh, design they had oh, yeah. uh, mutt Lang, who produced it robert uh but, mutt Lang, yep. mm-hmm. who produced like a lot of my you know a, a lot of albums and a lot of like he produced uh, back in black he actually produced highway to hell back in black mm-hmm. yeah. and, for those about to rock uh, Said that his goal was to make a hard rock version of Michael Jackson's uh, Thriller. Yep. Yeah. In that, like every track would be a, a potential hit single, and he did that. That's what he did. Oh yeah,
3: Easy. yeah. So the so Thriller had seven singles on it, and that was the goal. And so that's why Hysteria, like they got to seven. And yeah. I think they should have kept going because there, yeah. there's an eighth one that I am oh, really? uh, positive okay. like could have been, but uh, yeah, they were they were done at that point.
2: Yeah, the way I always say this album is all the singles are on side A, and then side B is
1: even better. Yeah, wow. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. See, yeah, you guys are all in. But all right, so all right now, all right, so now coming from someone that came that obviously never like. I already knew about uh, Def Leppard. I remember Def Leppard because I was younger. And I remember, and they were they were okay. They were more of, of like a hard rock, you know, like like a hard rock band. But I, uh, the way my touchstone comparison, mm-hmm. so I don't hate them, is Matatoupele because yeah. I see them as sure. be, like sort of a modern Matatoupele. That's how I can justify listening to their
2: songs. I, I think they would love that. Yeah. I mean, that's their oh, whole back. Yeah, for sure. Their whole upbringing is that whole glam rock era.
1: Right, right, right. And you could hear that, and they got mm-hmm. the the singer. Something I love, like the singer. What I appreciate about Joe Elliott is he doesn't have like a great voice or anything. No, nope. he's got uh, yeah, and he's got like a weird like I listen to these and I'm thinking, what is his range? I don't even know what his range is. <laughs> like it always sounds like he's not singing in his range, but yeah. I don't even know if he has a range. But it yeah. works, you know, with this.
3: But he's got. But he also has a band that can sing behind yeah. him. So every one of those. So guys. it's a it's a cool trick that they pull off because yeah, even. Listening back to some of Pyromania, he's he's almost got like the Dave Grohl thing going on in Pyro, where he's like screaming everything. And then in this, in Hysteria, there's much more of like he tones it down, but you're right. It's not like he tones it down to like sing melodically. He tones it down to more of like a, a talking through the verses kind of thing. Right, or, right. Or even like... Which is very...
1: Which is, Ian Hunter, uh, Motopolis. Yeah, that's why. That's where nice I get point, that comparison yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's funny. This uh, this album, I also consider it like, especially this album, like they're like the heavy metal uh, Bay City Rollers or something. <laughs> but fuck it, like, I love sure. the Bay City Rollers, yeah, too. Right. So it's like, I'll listen to a Bay City Rollers album Because it's fun so, at um, a party. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so, but let's, uh, the production, uh, another interesting thing, it's like, when you listen to this, it it sounds, like you said, it sounds, like, huge, bombastic. It it doesn't sound like people, like humans making it all much. It, no. it, it definitely doesn't sound like, a band playing in a room together that's out the door
3: you know well because it wasn't at all ever
1: yeah well it wasn't and some of that was by design because of rick allen what happened so tell everyone whoever doesn't know tell everyone like what happened with this album with rick allen you're the drummer
3: i would love to (laughs) all right so they start uh they start pre-production like 1984 they're you know, recording demos and doing all the thing. Um, Not with, a little bit with Mutt Lang, but then not with Mutt Lang. But then on New Year's Eve of 1984, so going into 1985, Rick Allen gets in a car accident, loses his arm, and then has to teach himself to, like, I, I mean, it's one of the things that I absolutely love about this band and about this album is like, it really was never even a consideration that we're, that that was going to be a problem right like they absolutely they like
1: 100 and how many bands you could say most like i would say 90 percent of the bands would say oh well, fuck it uh, we have to get a new drummer now you know our yeah. drummer lost one of his arms
3: yeah <laughs> And and he just was so determined to to figure it out and to figure out this new way this new path forward and electronic drums were you know it's still in their infancy at that point but and he just took it to the next level and created this kit with like nine foot pedals you know the Simmons kit um, but I but there's this like piece of it too where like there are no real drums on Pyromania either. Like they were already using the Fairlight, their, the Fairlight uh, right? A trigger like uh, trigger drum, drums and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, drum machine to to and the Fairlight was the first um, like drum machine synthesizer on a screen because it was like a, basically like a keyboard plugged into a, a PC computer screen, so you right. could actually see and map out the the drum part. So so he had already had you know they had a foot in that camp pretty deep already. Um, And that kind of made this whole thing possible and made it make sense to, to him. And, and that's at the point uh, when that happened, when he had his accident, that's when Mutt Lang who had been off doing the car's heartbeat city basically said, all right, like you guys need me. I'm, I'm coming back. And so that's what his accident is actually what brought Mutt back into the fold um, ah, nice. And then, but you know, the, the most amazing thing, because I mean, I've been listening to this record since I was 10 years old and I never really knew how the drums were actually done. You know, like I've heard they were done on the Fairlighter, but I didn't know who did the sequ- sequencing and, and all that stuff. And it seems like Rick actually did most of the sequencing for it which is really cool uh, to think about and also the fact that the drums were the very last thing that were done on this record oh wow because Mutt kept changing the structure of the songs like he would add a chorus or or extend the middle section you know the middle eight is now a middle 16 or or cut it or whatever like he was constantly rearranging the song structure so they were recording everything to loops and then the final drum tracks weren't actually done until that they were the very last thing that was put on the record and i've been making records my whole life i've never heard of that Like, that's I know, right? That is insane (laughs) to think about, yeah, and also goes a long way to explaining why. To like what you said earlier is so true when you listen to this record, there's a piece of it that almost doesn't feel human because it's like that's not the way a a real drummer or like not a real drummer, but like a normal drummer would play that. Like, that feel is so weird in that place, and like. It, I always had a hard time when I was a kid playing along to this record because I'm a drummer, and you know, playing to Poison Records or Bon Jovi Records made sense, but this one always like tripped me up so much, and it's because, yeah, it's it it wasn't human, but it was, <laughs> right. but it was also this other really cool. It was like Star Wars. It's like, yeah, it's not a normal movie. It's just fucking something else, man, and it's cool, you know. Yep. So, yeah.
2: So yeah, I would say like this whole album is almost like the deconstruction of rock and roll up until that point Mm. like I mean you have like the you know I mean they're a guitar rock band starting out like you know like an ACDC and Mm -hmm. whatnot and Lange has his foot in that but then it's just let's deconstruct it all to like it's primal like just pieces and then reassemble everything into and that's what this album is and it's a complete just yeah mind fuck you know
1: yeah it is but also if he didn't if they didn't also have really Good songs to back it up, yeah. and I'm sorry you could say, yeah, we're not gonna. Obviously, we're not gonna talk about the lyrics that much because the lyrics aren't aren't no, great in any of these. They're not. No, but <laughs> the melodies and the hooks in mm-hmm. these songs are so good. They're yeah. so catchy. I mean, it, I don't care how big a hater you are. They get in your head as yeah. earworms, and they're so goddamn catchy. There's and so and many the, guitar
2: hooks and vocal oh, hooks. Oh, the guitar it's just, hooks. Uh, yeah,
1: they're they're insane. They're off the chart. And they don't. And sometimes they they sound like oh, you could hear a little bit. Oh, that sounds a little acdc but then sometimes not at all. It just sounds, yeah. but it just sounds good. Yes. The, it's very pleasing to
3: the ear. The one thing uh, vocally, like lyrically, that helped me was hearing, I think it's on the classic albums that they did, you know, that, that series where they go back to oh, the right, studio right. and deconstruct yeah. the album. Um, and uh, so they're talking about pour some sugar on me, and Joe Elliott says, you know, it's not – like the lyrics don't make sense they're much yeah. more from the Hubcap Diamond Star Halo school you know like oh, the, right, right, like right.
0: the T-Rex thing well, you're built and, got a and when you
3: and And once you're willing to, like, accept that and and recognize that, you're like, yeah, well, shit. Like, you know, Mark Boland didn't give a shit either, you know? It was like, what sounds cool? What sounds fun? What's going to make the girls shake their, their butts? You know, like, that's all he cared about. And Def Leppard come directly from that Mark Boland school of, Of uh, rock and roll boogie man so
1: that's a really good point yeah you're absolutely right i think yeah all right so let's uh let's get into this goddamn record i don't care first i was thinking (laughs) i don't even have to play clips of it because everyone knows these songs but what the the fuck i mean Uh, whatever actually the first one i think is a good opener and so was the first one woman did did that actually make a single or is that one of the ones that wasn't that
2: was actually um was that the opening single in America? Yes. Yeah, in America, yeah. it was oh, okay, the first okay. single release, but and not. All right, that
1: makes sense that you said it was a slow burn because I guess it was kind of a slow burn because that's smart because it's not in overt. Some of these songs on here, you hear them and you know, oh yeah, that's a fucking hit single song, you know for sure. Yeah, and, Women and it was maybe...
3: a weird. Their management picked it, yeah. and their you know, and they're managed by uh, the same guys that manage Metallica you know, like oh, okay. they, they have smart managers, uh, right, right Cliff Bernstein and Peter Mensch. but um, but this was like a, a classic fail on their part. They picked the wrong song. Uh, oh, that's so but, funny. That's yeah. so
1: funny. But I was but thinking I some people song. for well for an opener it's good because it does have a guitar kind of forefront in the beginning mm-hmm. of it especially and that's good for the people that were coming you know because obviously I think some Def Leppard fans were confused by this record or disappointed you know yeah, the ones that maybe sure. like the more yeah. Hard especially
2: rock yeah the ones record. that came from the earlier school definitely. Right, like, right, it's right. like oh, this is a complete you know just different feel to it and everything because you get like, the
3: big synthesizers right up yeah. front with this song. Yep, yeah, yeah. and a lot yeah. of them have
1: these little intro, little intro things stuff, very cinematic. But uh, all right, let's just be able to try clean it.
2: the guitar layers on that song are just so good. I just like the leady part coming in and then you have the cleans in the background.
3: Yeah, but also no guitars during the verse. Yeah. Like they just pull them all back. back. (laughs) For a guitar band, like, like, like Def Leppard, Two Guitar Assault and then your lead-off track on your on your album, like you pull all the guitars out on the, and you hear the synth bass part on you it. You hear that big
2: synth. Oh yeah, yeah. the synth
1: bass. And, it's and you wild. know, I will say, in in listening to this and revisiting it, I realized this influenced a lot of what came after, as far as a production yeah, sound, everything oh. like huge, because so much stuff sounded like this after. And obviously, people see. I don't care who you are. You see someone selling uh, twenty million of anything, they're like, oh, I'm yeah, we gotta jump Make on it that, sound yeah. like that.
3: I, I, was, I was talking about that with my son today because, um, the, you know, we talked about the Fairlight being like the, the drum machine that they used. And like, right. the getting all these samples and the, like the drums sound massive. Like, and so, yeah, uh, the production moved in that way. But the thing about the Fairlight was like it cost the amount that like it cost what a house would cost. So oh, like, right 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 so you didn't have access to that most right, bands right. most studios did not have access to those that level the top of top producers yeah. and like you know wonder right right yeah herbie hancock and you right. know whatever but right. um but yeah but everybody was chasing this sound but couldn't quite couldn't quite get it you know and so yeah that's why it sounds the way and us, what's yeah. funny is
2: uh that whole like synth bass like it was actually introduced a bit in Pyromania. Totally. Yeah, yeah, on the like if you listen to the back it was uh, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Yeah, I mean That's it's a, Thomas yeah. Dolby like doing those, sound, that oh, yeah, right, those right, sounds, that brought of those
1: sounds on. Burn go
0: up smoke rock
1: on All right, so we get Rocket So Rocket, I remember that was a big like what which single was that? Was Rocket? Seven. Yeah. Uh, was oh, later, really? was One of the six, later ones, six or seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, but this is yeah, this is one of the ones that's like really catchy you can hear. And of course, it's good because they reference, they actually reference a lot of obviously so much, their yeah. influences, right? Yeah. yeah. it's like and Glenn's Glenn's all kind glam rock of, tutorial. Yeah, yeah, and it all kind of makes sense for them. usually. that's what I said. It really does, and it's got this like, yeah, <laughs> I love their intros they have at this time Let's <laughs> listen to a little bit of Rocket. That. You know, in in, uh, in listening to this, I'm thinking, uh, oh, and guys, don't worry, by the way, you probably know by now, I, I put all the me- actual music in later when I edit it, so yeah, even that's though fine. it's well, yeah, sloppy, yeah. I'm doing it sloppy now because I'm already getting drunk, that's fine. But, uh, it's all good. but it'll be good when I put it Cheers, in. Cheers, bro. Um, <laughs> Do you think, like, the one thing I think of is, how many tracks did, did they use on this to, to do this? Like, how many tracks do you think there were? At
2: <laughs> least 96, 97, maybe. <laughs> I mean, <Right?
3: laughs> so many, yeah, yeah. But we got to talk insane. about that drum loop. <laughs> I mean, oh
1: yeah, well, uh, yeah. I was gonna say because it's so it's cool. It sounds and it it doesn't sound like anything else at the time, and definitely not a band like this at the time. But that's a really cool drum groove, which is uh, when it starts out, you know, with the drums and then there's a there's a lot
3: going on there. Yeah. So the the story, and you can find this all over. Joe Elliott talks about this all the time, but like he heard this group Burundi Black. Um, that had this like sample. Oh, okay. This, this, uh, this loop going.
1: Right. Bow Wow Wow d- uh, took it too. Right. Adam and Batman the Anthem. Adam
2: and the Kings of the Wild Frontier, yeah.
3: So, so he like so they sampled that like with the Fairlight, right, and used that, and then they added. But the really cool thing that that makes it all work to me, rhythmically or makes it special, is like that shaker part that makes it sound almost like a shuffle. It gives it like this shuffle feel to it, which right, is right. like which is crazy. Um, and then they yeah, just not
1: have... not heavy metal at all. No,
3: not, it's, it's <laughs> almost, it, 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 even just now listening to it, it, it reminded me of like Toto Africa, like right, how there's right. like this really simple drum beat, but then you have like this shaker on top of it that kind of gives like the, propels the whole, gives thing, this yeah. idea that it's like a shuffle and, and propels it forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and, and just beautiful. But, but then the other really cool thing that happens in this, this is my favorite rhythmic song like rhythmically this is my favorite song on the record is that the constant shifts from double time back to like regular time and and the the push and pull of it is uh is really fun in this song i mean this i love this song
2: yeah it's got and plus the whole glam rock homage that we alluded to like all the lyrics like it took me so long to realize what he was saying after Rocket like Mm. the group vocals afterwards satellite yeah yeah, the satellite of love it's like
1: right 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 they got Killer Queen in there they got they got all all, those they got yeah
2: Ziggy you know Thin Lizzy Major Tom Yeah, yeah and all their influences like hey let's just throw into this hodgepodge of lyrics because who cares what the lyrics are as long as they sound cool and have a cool rhythm to it
3: and i remember being a nine-year-old boy watching the video because the video was awesome for this and yeah all the tvs and all the cool glam rock uh you know things which i didn't know i didn't know what they were at that point but what i what i do remember is seeing it was the first time i ever saw the image of mark bolin like in the top hat like the slider image mm. you know oh right right and, right and thinking like that's not slash because all i knew <laughs> oh, was <right>. slash <laughs> and i'm like who is this imposter like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> little you know. and uh yeah little did i know then but i came to learn later but it but it was a cool way to, you know like good on yeah. them for helping little guys like us you know broaden our horizons <laughs> there we go
1: um, all right, so the next one, Animal. All right, so yeah. you you both know already who uh, Mutt Lang, producer Mutt Lang, was married to for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Shania, Shania Twain. Twain, yeah. And he was married, and he also uh, co-wrote a lot of songs with her, and produced Tons. songs. Uh-huh.
0: But you
1: be on time. Really it's fun to day. listen to some of these ones, like like Animal and Picture. This could be a Shania Twain song. She could sing a song like this, and it would work.
3: They are all interchangeable. Right. Yeah, like the the Mutlang universe is centers around Mutlang, right? Yeah, like yeah that's, that's true. He is the sun at the center of of that whole universe. Yeah,
1: right. So kind of like, yeah, kind of like um, uh, Phil Spector, you know, yeah, when he had the wall of yeah, sound and everything. Exactly, kind of like the right. same idea. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but also these really catchy songs, uh, which uh, this one you can't deny is also no. a little bit of Animal. <laughs> Francis and Jeff are in South Florida, so of course there's a storm now. There's a thunderstorm, yeah, on, right, and the yeah. power is. Yeah. yeah, summer's in
3: South Florida, but
1: back to
2: it. <laughs> All right, right. But we, we as we left off, we just uh, left off with Animal, I believe.
1: We were listening to Animal, <laughs> and it wasn't Shania Twain singing. It was, uh, but I was just what I what I was saying is the. All the hooks in that, are, it's yeah. just so fucking catchy. Like when the, the, the chorus of it with all the vocals and that guitar riff, it's so I mean, so the guitar,
2: catchy. just starting off with that guitar hook right from the back. And like, yeah, like you said, right. like the chorus is so good. But I love also love, like I was just saying to him, is during the verse, how the guitars just pull back. For a guitar band, again, they're just pulling yeah, back yeah, and yeah, letting the right. vocal, exactly. I like, was just thinking letting that. it yeah. breathe.
3: It's so good. Yeah, so, right, much, right, so right. much of the magic of this album is just the space that that they create. Right. And, and that, you know, the one of the cool tricks that from the Mutt Lang universe is that this entire record was recorded with Rockman amps. Right. Oh, really? The whole thing. Right. Oh, wow. Like That's every funny. guitar Plodulated. track on this record is done through a Rockman. And so because he wanted like such a tight, clean sound. And, you know, not not a marshal, you know, in, in a big room or anything like that. But because right. he because he wanted to layer them and be able to stack them in such a way that like you have to you have to have space to do that kind of stuff. You have to have sonic space. And so right. just the the genius of Mutt Lang, man.
1: Yeah. You have to sort of overlook The fact that everything sounds so pristine and perfect, but that's to me, that's a that's the charm. That's what they're doing. They're creating these like pop things, and it's like great. I love stuff that sounds like really raunchy, and the guitar is not really in tune, and I love that too. Me too. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they're um, they're creating obviously. You know, if you how could you say you love this other great like the zombies and stuff like that mm-hmm. And this great pop music and you could appreciate this the same way cuz it's created the same That's way right. it's created to yeah. be to be what it is like this really great they <laughs> like knew exactly what they, they were what they were going
2: for yeah they were just a guitar hard rock band but that they could all sing so let's take advantage of it and write some great pop books right right exactly and another thing about yeah. animal is the stop at the end Gotta love the stop at the oh, end of the animal. Oh, it's the best! It's, it's the, the best big stakeout.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, apper- and apparently, like in the first, when they were recording it with Jim Steinman, there was like, they did like four fake stops. Oh, <laughs> really? Right. Like, they were just I can, like I can picture really... Jim Steinman
1: saying, "More, more!" Yeah, right, How right, right, yeah, <laughs> exactly,
3: exactly. That's great. So they dialed that back mercifully.
1: All right, so this one, the next one, Love Bites, I think that's one that uh, Mutlang brought to them, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it was originally a country song.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's up, but still, another. this is another one that it's just like, it's so goddamn catchy.
3: That's it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how are you going to argue with this? And it's basically
1: like, kind of like a power ballad, like a cheesy power ballad, but it's like, you know, if, if it's well done, as well done as this, I mean, come on, you, you can't deny it. It's just really I mean, great. the vocal
2: hook with the guitar hook happening at the exact same time during the course. Yeah. Chorus. It's like, oh. <laughs> so,
3: so again, I, was, I, I had my, my son and his bandmate Uh, In the car today talking about this And Love Bites comes on And uh, Avery The singer for my son's band Thorns said uh, A lot of their songs have love in the title And I said Avery that's how you go from selling 6 million records on Pyromania to selling 13 million right, on right, Hysteria. Right, yeah. right. Get the girls on you, board. That's right. You're not just selling <laughs> records to boys anymore. You're selling records to girls and a few more like because that's how math works. Yeah. So, yes. Good move on their part.
1: Exactly. All right, let's let's do a little bit of love bites. I get to those hooks better. All right, so this is interesting. So your son, so what instrument does your son play?
3: My son plays drums, and and he's in a band with (laughs) yeah, with another twelve-year-old. So.
1: Oh really? Okay. Okay. So what? So uh, like. uh, what do they think of Def Leppard when they listen to it? Is it just like, no, oh, this is one of dad's old bands? Or, or No, so it's a funny it?
3: thing, right? Like they they love, like their favorite bands are Nirvana and the Ramones. And then also Def Leppard and oh, really and Kiss and Motley Crue. Oh, wow. Like Kiss they don't, again, man. Kiss, Kiss just get, <laughs> g- gets well, them at Kiss, that age, right? Kiss was the gateway. Kiss was the one that got them both in. Like that really? was how, yeah, that's how they both got into the whole thing. Um and, and then it and then it became and now they're into like grunge and Pearl Jam and you know they're they okay. they're exploring those realms. But they don't like they don't have people telling them this is cool and this is not cool and blah blah blah. Like oh, they're just kind of taking good. it all in uh, you know, together. So so right. you know, we listen to XM radio in the in the minivan and it's it's flipping back and forth between uh, Hair Nation and Aussies Boneyard, and you know, Lithium, the grunge channel, right, right. and and yeah. you know, 80s on eight or whatever, you know, like they it's just constantly and they don't care, like they they can recognize the good in all of it. That's good a, song. Which is, a good song, which is really awesome. So
1: maybe there is hope for the future, then for I, man, fans. I think so. so. Fans, I, I, I see so. it.
3: I see it. In Sufferable, them. totally. Well, insufferable. because, you know, the thing is, it's like when you break it down, it's these like divisions that we all grew up with don't really exist. You know, like they're just right. constructs uh, on the playground. Yeah. You know, so we would have shit to argue about with our
1: friends. Yeah. Know? But they're not real. Yeah, no, you're right, and I've I've long gotten over that. But yeah, yeah when I was younger, I, I that was in my head too. Like, I, I actively didn't want to like Def Leppard or listen to him because that just wasn't my thing. You know, I don't these guys with long hair and their tight pants and stuff. That's not right, my right. scene. <laughs> you know, but yeah, now I now of course as a, totally. a, I could listen to it, and I'm, I'm we're converting you. my masculinity. Yeah. Where <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now we get the song. Everyone knows this song. Yeah. Everyone knows, and I guess I'm not speaking from experience, but apparently this song is big. It's it's like a stripper club, adult that's what like men's club it. thing, right? That's that
2: story. That's what broke it. Like the it, album it was really, out for like I don't know about a year, and it was like they needed to sell what five million to recoup because yeah. they oh, spent okay. so much money making the album. That, yeah, right. And you know it was selling all right, but. Then I guess in Fort Lauderdale strippers, got a, yeah, yeah, Fort Lauderdale strippers, <laughs> God bless them, they got a hold of the, pour some sugar on me and it it's just the perfect, snowballed and it's from like, there.
1: <laughs> if you try and like make sense of the words, the words make no sense. I mean, I guess you they're uh, sexual, but matter. they don't even make sense in a, if you think like sexual metaphors, they really don't even make sense.
2: Yeah, but it's just the flow of it. It's just the flow is the what flow gets is it. The flow is
1: perfect.
3: Yeah. yeah. Again, it's a T-Rex thing you know it's a hub yeah, Diamond Star absolutely. Halo thing yeah. and also you, Joe, Joe Elliott said it was uh, like the original idea came from the Sugar Sugar song
0: Sugar oh, Honey Honey You are my candy girl And you got
1: there you go.
3: The cheese,
1: yeah. Yep, and and just uh, just um um uh, in in looking at Spotify now, like the other songs on this, like some of them have uh, ten million, fifty million. The big hits have like twenty five million. One has seventy million. This one, this song has three hundred eighty three million over three hundred eighty three million <laughs> streams. It's hard to argue with, man. <laughs> Not bad yeah, considering that can.
2: they uh, they got into the streaming game way late. <laughs>
1: Right, 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 right. Like this stuff wasn't um, yeah, available because they, be...
2: they were holding up, they signed some deal in the 90s that gave them like rights to music on computers and stuff like that. And so they held on and they signed away like, uh, I think it was like the 2010 and then they cashed out on that too.
1: Oh, hmm. uh, okay. Well, you know, hey, I, I will not deny them anything. Let's look. You know, everyone knows this song. I don't have to play it, but I'll play it. funny when you think about how uh, produced this record is, you realize the beginning of it, it's just, what is it? It's just, I mean, they're heavily processed, but it's just the drums, Joe yeah. Elliott's voice, and that guitar, and that's it.
2: That's and, the, it. and vocal, like, drum beat, basically like that. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, all right, the right.
3: percussive, all the percussive, yeah. Uh, which is a very, like, glam rock thing, yeah. right, that they took. Um, the other fun thing about this song is that it's the last song that they recorded for the record. The Gulp like, Track. They, they were oh, like... Really? yeah they were they were three and a half years in and it was at oh, that Jesus. it was at that time the most expensive record to ever be recorded in in u k history. and like Francis said earlier, they had to break five million just to just to break even and it was right. all this and there was all this stress around it and they were like, The album's done. And then Joe Elliott was like messing around on acoustic guitar. And Mutt Lang was like, wait, what's that? And Joe was like, No, man. And he was like, No, that's a that's the one we gotta do this. And they went to the record company and said, We got one more. And they're like, Come on already. With one, come on. But they hey man, but that's like that's the way it goes, right? Like those are the best stories. And it's the one that the one that did it.
1: And it it worked. That's the thing. That's the end of it. I guess it could be. Imagine what a giant boondoggle this whole album would be if none of it worked (laughs) and it didn't sell. You know, it sold like, you know. You'd uh, have Chinese uh,
2: democracy. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's That's a perfect, yeah, yeah.
1: But no, no, it did what it set out to do, and now I feel like it's funny. So was this like when you guys got this? Did you get it in vinyl or was it already cassette? Or was it? Vinyl? Oh, it was cassette,
3: cassette for me. I got it right
1: over. Oh, there. cassettes. Yeah. Okay, it was the it was yeah. the, the big uh, cassette craze when everyone was getting cassettes.
3: But I got but I got it on vinyl pretty shortly after. Like maybe like around 1989 is when oh, I okay. started getting vinyl. So I still have my original vinyl as well but my original cassette tape you can't even read anymore <laughs> like the all all the all the lettering is worn off on yeah, it but i still it. have it i still have it
1: so how is it broken up like what's the last song on uh side one? Armageddon
3: it, yeah the next oh, one is the is last yeah. Okay. yeah yeah all the I, singles on get... side a yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah.
1: and uh, could i'm imagining some fans it's the first time they heard the word Armageddon Armageddon spelled yeah. wrong you know but they probably <laughs> <laughs> the first time they heard about it, also. Maybe they explored a little more.
3: I was going to say, again, that's a nice callback to the zombies, though. Like, you don't have to spell the word correctly, you know? Yes,
1: right, right, right. Uh, oh, obviously, in no, an no, yeah. And in rock and roll, sometimes it's cool. I mean, uh, look at yeah, their hey, name, man. for God's sake. Look at their that's name. A,
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then everything became deaf after that, yeah. right? Like, DEF. Oh, right, right. Like, Deaf Jam, Deaf Island. Yeah, all oh, yeah, right, you're
0: right. Yeah. All yeah. right, let's just do a little bit of that.
3: It's like this is my favorite guitar song on the record. Like when you get to those chimey parts, like those arpeggiated, like moments in that chorus. Oh my
0: gosh! Yeah,
2: Yeah. it's just ridiculous.
3: I love it. With the layers and
2: layers of vocals on
3: top, Uh and and like again, being children of MTV, like there was nothing cooler than Steve Clark in this video. When when they hit that solo and he's like, Steve, come on, Steve. And he's got, that's right. That's
1: right. He's
3: got the white Gibson, Les Paul, like slung to his knees and the black tight pants and no shirt and blonde hair. And he's just swinging that thing around on that stage. Like that is eighties guitar. God, like that is the tip of the iceberg, man. Like it is Perfect. I will never get it. Like it will never leave my brain. <laughs> and and, my and, mind.
1: and we should mention this was the last album to feature Steve Clark. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, he died, in, yeah, unfortunately he died in 19th. This band has a lot of like uh, tragic things like yeah. around
0: it.
2: Yeah. I'd, I'd say like you the first era of Def Leppard is the Steve Clark era, you know, like on through the night up until here.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Right.
2: And then you have like a transitional period in between. And then after, uh, Probably from Euphoria on, it would be like the third era of Death right, Leopard, right. where it's more vocal oriented. As okay,
1: but well, I'm like, totally out. I'm I'm totally yeah. <laughs> out on this one. I'll be honest with you. Right? I mean, most just, you people know. were yeah, most 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 people people were. like yeah, like when and Steve Clark okay.
2: was the riff writer, he was like, yeah. the one coming up with oh, all okay. those slick okay. guitar riffs, sense. all those parts. So that's why it's like such a hard transition for them afterwards in their right. sound. That makes like sense. yeah, he,
3: you got know, away from guitar rock. He was the the very first like I. Like, I remember exactly where I was when my, like, I was getting ready for school in the morning. I was in uh, middle school, and my dad called me on the house phone. I picked it up. He was already at work. He was like, Hey, does the name Steve Clark mean anything to you? And I was like, "Mm Hmm like, are you talking about the guitar player for Def Leppard? Like, and why are you talking about the guitar player for Def Leppard? He's like, well, he died. And it was the very first time in my life that like a rock star died. Like that was my, that was my first moment. And like, I actually, I have this book, uh, Def Leppard Animal Instinct written by David Frick. So David Frick like from Rolling Stone for all you people who think you're too cool for Def Leppard before he like went on to star in the Wilco documentary, which I love dearly, uh, wrote an incredible book on, on Def Leppard. I've had this copy of this book since 1987. I bought it
0: (laughs) at, at the
3: record bar in the, in the Boynton beach mall. But like, I remember that day, like, learning about steve clark's mm, passing yeah. and taking this book with me to school and just keeping it open on my desk as like oh. a awake, <laughs> like hilarious. as a wake but <laughs> it was like it hit me so hard because yeah. i couldn't even imagine you know it was like my buddy holly dying or right, you know right, right, whatever right. like yeah it was my first experience with with that level of like mortality you know and yeah, um, so it hit me hard, man. Oh wow! So I'm I'm glad to share it with you all right yeah, now. <laughs>
1: look at that! And good uh, <laughs> on your dad for like knowing and thinking. Oh, my, my son likes that band. Listen to it, and uh, yeah, exactly. call him and Ruinous day.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. <laughs> Thanks, dad. It's <laughs> exactly right. right.
1: So they're getting. I feel like they're getting a little like um like today you would say oh, Def Leppard's woke. They're getting woke because they're singing. <laughs> Of gods of War and uh, Don't Shoot the Gun and uh, shit. Yeah, you're <laughs> right.
2: Here's one of my favorites. Right hey, um, gods of War is like, that's one of my top tracks. Yeah, deflect. well, this
1: one rocks, right? This is just this is like a, total, a pretty...
2: this is like a Steve Clark masterpiece, right? And now. so
3: does Shotgun. So, yeah, yeah let's
1: yeah,
2: get they're into both, it. They're, yeah. yeah,
1: they're kind of like a one two punch. They really are. Right, so and so, so does Run punch. Riot. And we are, we're,
3: we're barreling through. <laughs> Francis is right. Like, side B, man. Side Just B is where it's at. Don't sleep uh, on okay. it. Okay.
1: All right. Francis says God's a boar. told me that the, the amps, what's the amps they use in the whole thing? The Rockmans. Yeah, the Rockmans. It's like, you yeah. can kind of hear that, but yeah, it, it like makes sense, because it's like, he, he, they sort of created this this world of, mm-hmm. and this is the sound of this world, and anything else would be kind of jarring if you had something, you know, like a completely That's right. different yeah. guitar sound coming, it probably wouldn't work. Uh, yeah. Let's listen to a little bit of Don't Shoot Shotgun. She's so
0: dangerous.
1: One. it's funny just listening to it this could be like a later stage acdc song i could picture brian yeah. johnson singing this song and it could you know obviously it wouldn't have the uh, production the same production but you could hear it like as a stripped down AC/DC song
3: totally right? yeah we're just saying
2: how this song just like it builds and builds and builds like the end of the song is so grand and just so yeah, big i'm gonna play
1: some of it yeah i'll, I'll yeah. play some of it whereas like but
2: the but beginning it's like it sort does. of starts it, it takes a while to get going but it does yeah
1: yeah, I was gonna end. say Some of these songs are, Like these songs are longer Than you would think For an album like They first. are like, mm-hmm.
0: for, yeah. for, for, the- for an
3: album Where you're trying to Put out just, Where you're just trying To produce singles And most of them Are five minutes It's like that, That's crazy yeah. And even Love Bites Is like Five It's five plus yeah, And that yeah. was a, That was an unedited Number one single Right. Like, that's the only number one they ever had. And right. so they were they were just going for it, man. Like, in a way that was kind of unheard of. Yeah, and plus,
0: like,
2: know?
3: the whole album talks about, like,
2: 63 minutes about that. So- like, he was testing the CDs at that time. He knew yeah. CDs was oh, going to be exactly. the way to go, and he was like, let's pack it up and let's, like, fill up this CD and
3: see how, how you guys do with that. Because nice. that's crazy to think about as, like, people who like vinyl that's a it was only a single so, yeah. vinyl so you're packing on like a 33 34 minute side which is not ideal so but this is like the the most meticulously made sonically made album of its time
1: Oh yeah, and the, sure. and
3: then you're gonna like stretch it out on vinyl like that like it's a it's a weird yeah. you know uh yeah Thing.
1: yeah all right so let me see uh, let me see if you guys agree with me because i was thinking and obviously i'm listening to it and i'm already you know when i when i get people bringing records i try and i i try and immerse myself in them and get it mm-hmm. and appreciate it. And I usually end up always doing it, but I only, I feel like there's only one kind of dud on the record and not this one. I like, I, like, am I wrong in thinking this song run Right" is actually a really good song. Cause I, cause I like this I song. Love it.
3: I love it. That's, that <laughs> I love should it. have been a single. That's the one I was, I was wondering,
1: about. I was wondering if this was, I don't think it was cause I don't remember ever hearing it before, but I think it's a good song. Yeah. I think,
3: I think it's, I think it should have kicked off side too. Yeah, okay, for sure. sure. Yeah. It, yeah. That guitar intro right.
2: reminds me of Jimmy World a little bit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it sounds very
1: modern. Yeah. yeah, all right, let's just do a little bit of run ride. you mentioned Jimmy Eat World because I was thinking it's uh, like the chord progressions they're using this is different than everything else on the record. And it sounds almost like uh like an emo band or a modern, like, you know, like, a, uh, you know, Jimmy Eat World or Green Day or something like that. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, it's a little different.
3: It's also the most Pyromania sounding song on yeah. the record. So oh, okay, to, okay. to me, like yeah. if they had released that as the first single instead of women, you might have sold got that transition. You might have sold five million right out the gate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Both. You know what I mean? Like I think like they the sold. I would've... think
1: they sold uh, enough. Don't, uh, don't try. No, and, no, no. Uh... no.
3: no, no, no. <laughs> women tanked. Women tanked. It did. Like that. Did, it that did. did not do well. But they did fine once they got
1: to, <laughs> this would have brought Some in like that
2: that pyromania crowd this, right back. In. Yeah. Oh I right, so. I see
1: what you're saying. Maybe they didn't want to do that though. Maybe they wanted to kind of like jar people, you know? And say, <laughs> Maybe well, they
2: didn't want to make money. Oh, <laughs> well, but I guess they did. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows?
0: <laughs> Who knows, man? All
1: Who right. knows?
2: But we get. But I love. I love this song. Yeah, man. yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah, I- cool. And it's got a little shreddy guitar solo, about three-minute to- mark. Uh, oh, totally. yeah, the, the yeah shred,
1: the, it does shred. It's the most shreddiest guitar solo, I think, on the yeah, whole record. Because
2: yeah. <laughs> everything else, all the other guitar solos and guitar parts are very just, like, tasteful and just, like, humming along. Like, right. you can hum with it, exactly. you can sing with it. But they find he just, like, oh, just just go rip it. You know? exactly. again,
3: again, it's the most pyromania thing yeah. on the record. Yep. Because they did. They made, even, like, in the drums and in the guitars, they made this, like, Purposeful transition to arena rock. Like that was Mutt Lang's thing. Like right, right. you don't want you don't want, you know, these like crazy fills. You want right right? right, know, like that'll sound good in a stadium. You you guys want to be a stadium band, sound good in a stadium, right. write songs that sound good in the stadium. And you hear that even in all the guitar leads too. Like yep. they're so they're so quick, they're in and out for these guys that are both shredders, like they had two lead players yeah. in this band. Right. Uh, but they're, they're so quick and in, in and out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But not on this, song. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> well, this right. song. This song, they just burn it down. And it's great.
1: Well, all right. So the next one, Hysteria, the title song, when was Hysteria mm. the single? Cause that was also like a monster. single, uh, right?
3: Yeah. It was one of the last ones. Fourth like, single. Fourth? Okay. The fourth. November single.
1: 87. Not like, what you think a song called hysteria would sound like, not like that. Cause it, this is another uh, power ballad kind of right.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
1: But, but still like a really good song. And like I said, another Shania Twain could have sung going to cover hysteria, I feel like, <laughs> which is not enough. I'm not saying that as a knock, nah, you know?
3: Hey man, I think, I think this is the best song on the record. I love this song so
2: much. Like, it's, it's just so, so it's... yeah,
1: it's a total earworm. And yeah, it's a, at the end of the day, it's just a really good song. All right. So let's do a little mm-hmm. bit of the title track hysteria. Catchy, but you know think you and now i'm thinking people that love them like from the beginning that were real like hard rock guys and like the other hard rock bands yeah. they must have hated this <laughs>
3: yeah probably probably who cares but, but we <laughs> no, weren't no, in I that know. Who cares? Yeah. but they yeah. must
1: have hated it
3: <laughs> yeah but but also it is as perfect as you can possibly get like in a in a rock song in a yeah. pop song in right. a power ballad
1: yeah totally understand me they hate it but their girlfriends were listening to it and they're probably like in the background listening to it and going it's eh, pretty good but you know right. now they, they can't yeah. say that they like
3: it. that's right uh, yeah <laughs> the
1: yeah, girlfriends that, are
3: like hey i want to go see def leopard
1: <laughs> yeah right
2: like all right uh,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know that um so famously like the thing about this song is that it, when you talk about Mutt Lang as a producer and and like how much of a taskmaster he was and the perfectionist, like the the perfect arpeggiated uh-huh. notes in this song, like he took them note by note. Oh, so he God. would he would break <laughs> yeah. down the chord. Like, string and record, record, yeah, oh my like string and, by and string then then, and, then, and then layer yeah. them back on top of each other. Wow. And so that's how you get this level of perfection, which is like, it is something that you, you can hear, but you can also just feel when you right. listen to it. You're like, yeah, man, like there, sure. Nowadays we can bullshit that a million different ways. Right but it never it never sounds like that like it's never the real it's never the real thing it's, it's ne- the same thing it's when you craft.
1: when when you listen yeah. to uh, Phil Spector like a Phil Spector thing it's the craft he yeah, been into yeah. and he also was insane and drove you yeah. know yes. musicians crazy but yeah, at the, the end of the genius, day, yeah you hear that craft
3: That's it, man, and it it st- it withstands the test of time.
1: All right, so I'm I'm gonna go out. I'm just gonna say, "Excitable." I feel like is the one throwaway song on the record. I, I don't think totally, hundred percent.
3: Good, except except for the the middle part. Like it's great. <laughs> like I love it. <laughs> Whatever. It's, I'll play. So all saying, right,
1: maybe I'll play a little of the middle part. But <laughs> I'm not playing "Excitable." Because <laughs> Listen
3: just, to just, the Tetris layers at the beginning.
2: Like, <laughs> I would say it's the, my least favorite song of the album by it. Yes. It's a 9.8 and not a 10. Yeah. But like, oh, wow. the Tetris <laughs> layers, like,
3: trust me on this. Okay. I, I agree. I agree. Like, it's my least favorite
1: as well. Yeah, yeah, I just something about it bothered me. But don't thank play God. the intro.
3: What? Don't play the... The intro's garbage. I'll put, I'll put yeah, it like, in there somehow. Yeah.
1: I'll figure out how I'll put it in there. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to it. Anymore. I don't want to bum it out. Because I'm really glad it's not the last song on it. Because the... Love and Afe- exactly. Now, love and Affection, I think, is a really good ending song. Love and Affection was yeah. not a single, right? No. Nope. It should have been. It could have been. I, well, I was thinking it could have been a single.
2: It, it could have been. <laughs> been. It could have been. I love this song. It was... Uh yeah I, a like really saying, good side b is so damn good this is the perfect way to end the album i it's think just, so yeah, especially if you're doing a whole session where you're like starting the album from beginning to end it gives you like such that like flying off with the album and just like yeah. leaves you sitting there just oh what did i just listen to oh my god all right i gotta take a moment here like after
3: the song ends you still sit there for like a minute
2: yeah, like,
1: it is a really good. Okay, uh, yeah, I agree. I totally agree.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a cool thing they do with love and affection that, um, that's unique in this album. Is that like it's four four minutes, four and a half minutes. It's a long song, it is. but it doesn't really do much. Like there, there's not a lot of peaks and valleys in it. So you just kind of ride out on this really nice, Def Leppard song, like mid-tempo ballad right.
1: which is- sort of thing. Unusual for the rest of the record because it's not like the rest of the record. Yeah, totally. Right.
3: Yeah. But it's also a bridge into what the next record is. Yeah. Uh, in a weird way. Cause I don't really love the next record because it's too much of that. But, oh, really? yeah, but, but I love, but I love this for exactly the reason you just said, like, it's a really nice way to like wind just down this yeah. more than an hour long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Experience of like dramatic peaks and valleys.
1: Yep. All right, let's listen to a little bit of love and affection. Great, you know, it's funny, you you think, it's ridiculous, it's insane to spend over three years working on a record, making a record, it's crazy, that's dumb, no one should ever do it, but if you do it, at least you make something like this, I mean, come on, you really can't deny it, even the haters can't really deny that, uh, man, they they, they really did something with this, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the proof is in the pudding With how much it sells, but of course sales doesn't You know, it's not everything Uh, But it just sort of, like I said It also uh, created this whole World of uh, production and everything That went on, you know, for better Or worse, you know, uh, 20 30 years later, you could hear the influence Of this on other Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I mean, and I would say Too, like, they Spent three and a half years making this record But then they also spent three years Touring this record Oh, wow. as well and and you go and you watch those videos of this band at at this time like 1988 1989 i mean they're just they're bulletproof like they're they're this incredible live band right. and even now if you go see them live now they are the best really? of all of, of, all of that yeah. oh, i mean we we just saw yeah. them we've we've seen them a number of times Did like you really? recently <laughs> yeah of course yeah of course (laughs) and uh and and again like they're just they're 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 a bulletproof live band they're not using backing tracks real i mean they are you know that's you know they're 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 using them rhythmically to the extent that like rick allen uses them you know like he'll he'll use triggers you know for shakers and things like that so so it's not it's not a hundred percent organic but vocally, but vocally and guitar wise and, and all that stuff. Like it is, you're getting it off the stage and I mean, they are, they're the real deal.
2: Yeah. To say that, like I saw them, I don't know, like maybe 10 years ago or whatever, whenever they did the Def Leppard cruise, like, they had a show in uh, Sunrise. Oh, nice. Like, a few days later. And apparently, this cruise was a disaster. Like, they went out in the Caribbean. It was like stormy. Oh, no. Like, everyone was getting sick. <laughs> uh, the bass player from that was in Dio. It's uh, a
3: death weapon uh, curse. Yeah. Like,
2: uh, he passed away on the cruise. Oh, no. And, Shit. Then, and then the news got out that he passed away before they could notify the family. Like, worse oh, uh, worst cruise. So, then, like, two days later, they have the show in Sunrise that I go to. And Joe Elliott is sick as a dog. Like he barely has a voice. He gets through like the first three songs, okay, and then after that, like it just gets really raspy. And he can like the other guys in the band are picking up the slack on the choruses. Like he's doing the trick, like let's get the crowd to sing along type yeah, yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. And then for the encore, like they just had to get the guy from Tesla to come out and sing the songs because oh, wow. he was done. And then they had to like cancel like the rest of the tour cause he blew up his vocal like chords and he was out with commission for like a year. So yeah, he wasn't playing to a tape.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> no,
1: good for them. Right, you yeah, know what? I would, I would, I will forever give them props for keeping Rick Allen in the band and for moving on and not saying, Oh, let's get another fucking drum or whatever. And that's yeah, like, they, just, they left it up to him. That's so great. You know, that's, that's, that's so awesome. And so yeah. many bands wouldn't yeah. do that. And then
3: would uh, yeah. not do that. No, no ever. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a beautiful thing um nice. and you know the fact that that there's they're still together and still doing it and yeah man yeah it's just good, for I, good on them and 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 you know listening to just being on this podcast and talking about this record and and listening to these songs back through headphones yeah just remind like every time you hit play on on a song reminds me of being a 10 year old kid listening on a walkman mm-hmm. in headphones yeah. and hearing right. these songs like in that way and just it makes me so, like so happy and like joyous That's and great. so take yeah man that haters it's take that <laughs> haters like this they're not is what trust we're all me about. they aren't
1: listening they're not they, yeah. I know they're they're long gone. They're long gone, but that's they're fine. That's gone. all right. So Francis and Jeff. Uh, so uh, your podcast is the uh, Sonic Temple podcast, and it, correct. It, they can listen all over. Right? It's all over.
3: It's all over. Yeah, and, and you're I'm, on one, and they should listen to that. I did yeah. an
1: episode. Yeah, a, Dan, a phone break, my friend Dan Break introduced me, and he's got an episode too. And uh, yeah, it's really fun. I, I like the concept that they do. It's it's nice and tight. They have a guest on the guest picks, picks a song and they pick they each pick a song that, that relates to it and it's cool because I didn't under the song I picked I didn't even under know like well, how they related until we did the episode. <laughs> it to uh, but it's awesome. It's a great concept and uh, it's great. It's so fun Francis, uh, the Sonic Temple podcast is awesome and don't forget you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, it's at that record got me Hi. On Twitter it's at TRG oh on X I'm sorry, at T R G M H podcast. I'm never gonna get that. Uh, you can email uh, me at, <laughs> at trgmh33 at gmail.com and if you want to really, if you're really feeling sassy, you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron of the show. I'd appreciate it, Francis and Jeff. Do it. I really appreciate you guys coming on. This was great. I, I I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When you first uh, said that record you wanted to do, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you like son yeah, of a patron. man. <laughs> I enjoyed. I I enjoyed listening to it. I enjoyed, uh, of course, talking to you guys. So it was great. Thanks. Again.
2: Thank you so much, man. Hey, got lots of love and affection for you.
1: Awesome. (laughs) All right. Ah. Until next (laughs) week, I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you all again.